You are listening to the Young Western Podcast with your hosts, Cheyenne and Montana Donuquette, where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. Hope you enjoy. Don't forget, ladies, head to KDB for all your Cowgirl Tough, Kimes Ranch, CC Western and rock and roll denim needs. Okay, we are back with another episode of the Young Western Podcast, and this is the final episode of our ABHA special series. So I thought there would be no better way to finish our little series off by bringing on someone who absolutely cleaned up at the 2023 ABHA finals. Now, this jockey and her beautiful horse ran the fastest time of the Open Divisional. Uh, She won the 1D Stallion Incentive. She won round two. She was the 1D average winner and Her and her horse were the fastest Santa Santa Rio quarter horse of the finals. She won $5,000 as an incentive. Please welcome Brianna Lemos to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good and have you had me? How have you, have you kind of recovered from the week that was ABHA finals? Because it has taken me a minute. No, I think... Both the horses and myself are just ignoring each other at the moment. We're absolutely sick of the sight of each other. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine. very much a rest week after what we just went through. I can imagine. And, like, even the late nights, I was kind of there with you when, when we were doing presentations and things like that. Things got super late. Absolutely. We were there late and then we came home and had to feed all the rest of the horses that didn't make the cut of going in. So we were running around late at night trying to get everything done. Yeah, they're big days. I can't imagine how people who ride on the committee and actually compete get it all done. It's astronomical. I was thinking that too, like the amount of things that those people do is just insane. I, I genuinely don't know how you can be a jockey and also on the board. Um, I was looking. So f- firstly, I want you to tell us a little bit about your beautiful horse, Smoker. Now he's 15 years old. Is that right? That is correct. And how is he bred? Obviously, Mathia bred him from our little intro, but tell us how he's bred. So he is by Fashi Pepto, the stallion, and he is out of an amazing mare by Morn's Impression. So tell us what other horses are out of Morn's Impression, because usually I'm a little bit of a breeding nerd. But I didn't get to look up Maud's impression. So tell us, is there many other horses out there competing like his brothers and sisters? So the main one that I know of at the moment is Brittany McVicker, obviously got second in the Futurity. She has a horse, Maud's Whispering Whispering Pepto. So Uh, he's Morgan's full brother. Yeah. His name's Chaos, is that right? That is correct. Yeah, he's a beautiful big horse too. He is. I mean, I'm sure no one's surprised that another one of Mathias Mares is out here winning, but that is, um, I always love to see like the brothers and sisters and see what they're actually doing. And it was funny. I remember when Helen was deciding to pick out another one to buy, she she was saying how she wanted a Palomino and yet she got another big lanky chestnut. <laughs> yeah, they've got a few of them now, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, Smokin um, is an absolute picture of his mother, just the the stocky Palomino. Really? So when I was looking at him, I thought he must have been a spinner horse because he looks a lot like traditional spinner to me. Yeah, absolutely. They look identical, really, when you just see them in pictures. But, yeah, you see pictures of his mother and his grandmother and they are just spitting images of each other. Yeah. 
And I guess when you would have, so, well, tell us about how you come across him. Did you purchase him or? Yeah, so, well, not me personally. Mum and Dad went out for a drive to Marthia's stud out at Tullamore and he he wasn't the first one they picked, but Marthia ended up offering them the next foal that was born out of Maud's impression, which was her best mare at the time. And they said, yeah, and Smokin ended up being the product of that deal. And so, yeah, he actually belonged to my mother first. She was the one who purchased him. Oh, as a lot of good deals do. I've had a few horses that my mum has owned and I've somehow poached. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, she ended up breaking him in and taking him to divisionals, but she had three horses that she was riding. And I just had the one, which was my old open horse, Cowboy Rock. And so yeah. she basically just said, well, why don't you just run this one for a little while while I have the three? And then I just never stopped riding him. I love that. And I guess 15 years ago, like I'm trying to think of flashy Pepto back then, was there many flashy Peptos running back then? Was I... he one of the first kind of, like I feel like he might have been one of the first sort of ones out there. Maybe. I'm pretty sure it was probably mostly just the Pepto name, which obviously is massive yeah. in the plant drafting, cutting world and everything. So, yeah, I think we thought, oh, let's get a little bit of that cow breed in them, which can always yeah. be good. Yeah, Ironically, the least cowy horse we own. Yeah, Flashy Pepto for such a cowbred horse, he is throwing some very fast wanting to run, not yeah. looking like cow horse, cow horses. <laughs> Yeah, I think he'd be way too big to ever cut on or anything. He's a huge horse. And what was he like, like, as a young horse? Was he a kind of pretty straightforward horse to kind of train and bring along or did he have a bit of an up-and-down career? Like, how did he get to where he is now? Oh, he's always been super laid back. He's the kind of horse that doesn't have a care in the world. Like, mum broke um, all. Yeah, mum just started saddling him and riding around. And he really didn't care. He's sort of like a very laid back dude. Yeah, right. I noticed that when you were getting photos and he was like by himself in the arena with all the like rugs and everything. And I honestly think he was falling asleep. He just couldn't, couldn't care. Couldn't care. Not- no, the he main thing he cares about is his friends. He's incredibly matey. So if you take him away from his friends, he'll, he'll sulk a good deal, but... Yeah, Yeah, I think to him, bar racing is very much his job and he does it very well and his friends are his passion in life. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, Was he, did you guys futurity him or anything like that? Like, I guess you would have had your good horse still in when he was younger. Is that right? Yeah. And really, because I was very lucky when I was young, I was kind of, yeah, given the leftovers of my mum and my older sister so every horse that I was given up until Smokin was kind of like an open running horse that has got on and competed and won on and so then I got Smokin and and I was very much like paddling in deep water I did not know what I was doing so we did have some maturity maturity years but I was very much still figuring out how to train horses so that was we were both kind of figuring it out together yeah, yeah, got you. I feel like he has definitely grown with you. Like he's just, he, I feel like he's very like patient type of horse. Like he's like, yep, that's okay. We can, we'll get there. We'll get there. So 
I sort of wanted to talk about, um, I looked a bit on what you had been winning and I noticed that you had won the 2023 Dubbo Dash and the Scone ABCRA Bar Race and the Dubbo Dash was the week before the ABHA finals. Is that right? That's correct. So you were kind of winning a bit, like you were like hot leading up to these finals. And first I wanted to talk about um, a bit of your prep. Like we talked to Katina about her prep, like what she kind of did leading up to the ABHA finals. And then I kind of wanted to talk about how you prepped smoking. And even I know you had um, a young horse or two in the ABHA finals as well. What did your kind of like fitness routine for him and yourself even look like leading into this, feed, supplements, things like that? Well, it's funny you would say hot leading into it because really for me, um, Canamble Rodeo is June long weekend and that's generally our last rodeo and for winter. I'll generally after that, I'll throw them in the paddock because it gets cold, the days get short. So they get a few weeks off after that and then I'll bring them back in in August to kind of get ready for the September finals, which is kind of our next biggest event after our break. So really, it's not an ideal time for me because we kind of just get a few weeks of trying to build up their fitness as much as possible. And so I really didn't have huge expectations. So I kind of like, well, we've only had a couple of weeks work. We haven't really been competing. He's had one rodeo, one run and one divisional competition which I'm still amazed he went out and did so well and yeah (laughs) he kind of blew me away with how much he's tried with so little prep to be honest yeah so he didn't you like we just kind of I'm thinking down here in winter like we're sort of the same trying to prep for these ABHA finals can sometimes be a bit challenging especially if you haven't been up north or something because it is just cold and wet and not very nice might be a little drier up there, but it's not the yeah, nicest. We, we think it's a wet problem. We just get the, yeah. the cold. The cold. We just kind of trotting him up and trying to keep him fit. Yeah, yeah. A lot of long trotting and loping circles is kind of the main one. Yeah. So when I first bring him in, obviously, I generally take him to the vet and he gets a big overhaul, make sure nothing's wrong, and then he goes into work. Which yeah, a lot of long trotting, a lot of loping. It's, the biggest thing yeah and what is your like feed routine look like and I know this kind of changes by person by person but I think he, your horse he's a very big solid horse and I could only imagine that he's only going to be able to get through that week with somewhat adequate nutrition so do you kind of have a pretty solid feeding program are you really intense with what you feed or pretty basic or um, I think the basis for our feed really is hay, which I have to thank my mum for. She does the majority of that. But, yeah, we make sure they have a lot of access to hay. At the moment it's oat and hay, which we have big bales of that we feed out and just make sure they have constant access to that. And then on top of that we'll have obviously their grain feed every night, which he mostly just gets the high-gain release is the – biggest energy fuel that he has and soaked oats and yeah but I'd say hay would be sort of the bulk of what he eats yeah and is you guys like up there are you pretty dry up there like you don't have a heap of like forage for them to eat all day we're a bit lucky here because we're on river flats which stays a bit greener 
But, you know, definitely if we didn't have that, I don't think he'd be able to, well, certainly not compete on the level that he does with just the forage that's around the place. He 100% needs the supplement of the hay that we give them. Yeah. And in regards to like supplements, so joint supplements and things like that, is there anything you kind of supplement with or a kind of routine with him, especially as he's a little bit older, do you find you have to do anything a little bit different? Yeah, really trying to make sure that he yeah, keeps healthy and happy is the biggest thing because, yeah, as they get older, it takes more and more maintenance. Probably yeah. foresight and pentasan are the two biggest things that we make sure he has constant supply of. Um, uh, other than that, it really kind of yeah, varies on what he needs. He gets like liver mole for his coat and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I'd say the, the foresight and pentasan do the bulk of the heavy lifting. Yeah. I think it's like a very common theme between a lot of people we're talking to is just like feeding them as much hay as they, they want to eat, good quality hay, making sure they're on some kind of good joint supplement and then just working with your vet. Like if there's anything extra they need, kind of just spending the money and going to the vet. But I feel like things are kind of scaling down from being so extra where everyone's like, putting like different salts and different absolutely everything in everything and they're kind of waiting and doing their research a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I think it's very easy to get um, lost in all the supplements. Like you see, you go into the feed store and you just see this wall of stuff that promises the world. And you're just like, yeah. oh, but what if I just give him this? And oh, but what if I just give him that on top? And the next thing you know, you're making an absolute potion in a bucket. Yeah. And you're like ODing your horse and like, magnesium or something. like it just it gets a little full-on <laughs> is there any really? um with so obviously he's kind of seasoned now but how often would you say that you kind of do any kind of drum work or do you just kind of leave it to him making runs on the weekend and telling you what he needs um I definitely try and leave like an actual run to the weekend. I like thinking about competition runs as like a report card. It tells us what we need because I think if we run them at home, he just gets sour to it and they don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, Probably I try and change it up a little bit. We do like the the training of the week. Like at the moment we have a funnel set up, try and get the fitness built up or we'll yeah. set up like the three drum drill where we'll just lope around three drums or even like up to the finals, way. we set up whole bending Oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll loop yeah. all one way and, like, just make sure they're keeping straight up in between the drums is the biggest thing, especially since I have my little mare who tends to be prone to shouldering drums. So making uh -huh. sure she stands up straight and around the drums is a big thing for me. As in, do you mean like uh, you're pushing her straight like to where her hips by the drum kind of thing or her shoulders are clear and everything like that? Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. So, yeah, I always think like if I have to sit there and hold her in between like just loping, I'm not going to be able to do that in a run. She's going to ignore me out there. So to be able to make sure they're loping around without me having to hold them at all is a big thing. And she's really like free and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they're a bit opposite. I have Smokin who tries to overrate the drums, but he, he'll never shoulder them. And then I have Fame who tries to run past the drums and also shoulder them. So every kind of 
workout routine has to be a little bit altered for what each horse needs. Yeah. And so with smoking, are you just trying to keep him like really free moving into the drum and kind of flowy? Is that right? Absolutely. Because he loves to rate. It's his favorite thing in the world, even if I don't want him to. (laughs) So keeping him like just running past the drums is always our biggest thing. We'll we'll walk into the arena. I just think run past the drums, please run past the drums. What are you um, on that? And I'm probably skipping ahead a little bit, but say, what are you thinking when you're walking into the arena to run a horse like Smokin who is finished and you're running in these big pens and you've made an amazing run, like you've got a bit of pressure on you. What what's your, Where's your kind of mindset at? I think for me, I don't really doubt that he is a fast horse. He's so athletic and everything. So I have no doubt that he has the ability to do the times and the fast runs. So I'm always just thinking we need to make a clean run. That's always the goal, like just go out, do the smoothest run that we can make because as we always have a saying, like smooth is fast, just do the best pattern that we can and the times generally follow. Yeah, they take care of themselves. Do you in the run, like I know some people will really focus on looking past the drum like even like looking at the wall or something like that or some people are just focusing on being aggressive like staying up and being aggressive or is there anything you kind of focus on or you just kind of focus on your breathing and and deal with it when you're out there yeah I feel like muscle memory kind of takes over in my runs it's really like a just go out there and get it done I don't know if I spend a whole lot of time thinking other than just run yeah I mean that's good it's like your subconscious right in saying that, Absolutely. I have to, to tell everyone to go and watch your videos of your, I don't know if you did it in both runs, but I know you definitely did it in the, maybe was it the fast, the top 50? I think you did it where you come around the third drum and just held the swell of your saddle and whipped with one hand and had no reins. I, I had three things going on. I had to to steer, hold on and try and make him run faster and the steering kind of had to be thrown away because that was the least important part. <laughs> You just put him on autopilot. Yeah, because yeah, he was he kind of he propped me going into second, which kind of threw me around. So he basically turned out on his own and then and he got up to third. I was kind of all over the place. So when he turned that, I just had to hold on and keep making sure he ran fast. <laughs> that is the best ever. I loved seeing that. I was like in shock. I loved it. Um, is there anything in regards to, so there's so many different things you can do with like equisages and pulse machines and I mean, a bunch of different things, even sort of swimming or sprinting the horses. Is there anything you try and do, um, leading up to an event or even products you use? Like, um, I use some back on track products sometimes. Is there anything like that that you kind of really swear by? Um, probably the most thing I'm using at the moment is rapid gel, which I put on his joints. Cause for me, it's just keep the inflammation out. Any kind of inflammation in his joints is bad news. So like cold therapy and yeah, like I said, any kind of gel or treatment that could make sure he doesn't have any inflammation is the biggest thing for me. Anything that can achieve that I'll try. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Leading up to the ABHA finals, is there anything you do? You seem like a pretty like chill kind of person. So I don't know if there is, but if there, is there anything you do for yourself to really try and get in the mindset or 
I guess, like you were saying, you sort of weren't 100% sure whether what would get done, as in you hadn't been writing too much. So were you just kind of taking it day by day? or? Oh, absolutely. I think going into it, it's always just a mindset of try and be the best you can be going into it. And I think that's always my mentality of like anything can go wrong or anything can go right and what'll be, what'll be. So if I just do the best I can, I think that's the mindset I try and keep. Obviously, nerves get to you a bit before you're going in and you question things back and forth. But I think I try and keep my routine the same as possible. Like our horses love their routine. We do the same thing over and over and over again. So I think if we try and keep everything the same as possible, then, yeah. Yeah. It kind of takes care of nerves a little bit if you keep routine. Speaking of what is your routine for something like that? Like do you have like a kind of a warm-up routine or do you get on not long before? Are you someone who likes to get on a long time before and warm up slowly? Like what is your routine? Yeah, I'm definitely more of the slow kind of warm-up person. Obviously, like I said before, I like long trotting them. So I'll just get on them like three or four events before we run and then just yeah, trot them for a while, like some circles. I don't really like to drill much at rodeos. I always think rodeos are for competing, not training. So yeah, yeah nice. Um, going back to um sort of purchasing your horses, you guys have obviously had quite a lot of really successful horses, especially through Miss Thea's kind of stable, which I mean a lot of people have tell us what you sort of look for in a young horse or even you and your mom I guess she might have like taught you a few things she clearly has some kind of an eye of picking a horse what do you look for in a young horse when you are purchasing one um yeah we haven't done a whole lot of purchasing over the years I think we like to keep our group kind of small to make sure each one gets the attention they need and we we're most just do kind of local competitions so we're not big on having a huge amount of horses going at any one time I would say breeding big part of what we look for we like look because I think we get to know the bloodlines and what those personalities bring in each bloodline and what they're capable of so I think we'll look at the bloodlines mostly and obviously I had Cowboy Rock who was a traditional rock horse And he was amazing for our family. We loved him so much, which, of course, he came from Marthea's. And Mm -hmm. so when we went to another one, we're like, well, yeah, we want to continue with the traditional rock and the the more deck bloodlines because it's what we've gone along well with and what's worked with us. So now, of course, we're reaching out into different bloodlines. Obviously, the Seconds to Fame have had massive success, so we try and cross the two wherever possible. So obviously my mare is um, by seconds to fame out of a Mondek mare. And then the gelding I have, the four-year-old that's coming along, is by seconds to fame out of a flashy Pepto mare. So we kind of just keep what we know, I guess. Yeah. And I guess, um, and I'm only saying this because I know, Cowboy Rock had a, was it? So, sorry, I'm thinking of your mum's buckskin mare. That horse's mum is Cowboy Rock's sister. Is that right? Something like that? Or like somehow sister or related yep. closely? Yep. 
Yeah, so, yeah, Cowboy Rock didn't have many full siblings, but she was one. And obviously, because he was a gelding, you can't get a fall out of him. So we went to the next best thing was the sibling. And lucky enough, we managed to get two foals out of her. Now um, she belongs to the Birch family and they're breeding her. So um, next generation's coming along, which is good. But yeah, the two mares that we have, they're just, they're so athletic and they really train them to do just about anything. Yeah. I actually have a gelding out of that mare as well. I have a second stream gelding out of that mare. And he is currently, we've just used him as like a pony horse for the breakers today. He is like, he does everything around here nowadays. He's a, he's such a sweet yeah, horse. Yeah. He's very like willing, but I think that he he just needed some time to kind of like mature a little bit. Like he's definitely a slower maturing kind of horse. Absolutely. I, I would even say that about my four-year-old. Um, After competing on him, I think we're very much going to go the, the slow road and not really worry too much about his maturity career because he needs time to really develop mentally because he's very immature still. In... Yeah. And so is he a seconds to fame? Yeah. Yeah, got you. Is he pretty? Is he gonna be pretty big? Oh, he's massive already. He's. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he towers over Smokin, and he's only four. Oh my gosh! So, what was the other young horse? Was that this horse? The other young horse you had at ABHA? Yeah. So he's by seconds to fame out of a flashy Pepto mare, and yeah. I'm very excited for his future because he he kind of has that laid back nature that Smokin has, which I really like. Yeah, I can imagine. They're so exciting. I watched you run to me young horse, oh, that young horse too, and I was like, wow, that's horse has got like a huge future ahead of them. Um, look, I really just wanted to, yeah, focus on your ABHA prep warm-up. What are you doing um from now on? Was ABHA kind of like a stepping stone into your season with Smokin? Uh yeah, it's definitely the kicking off point for the rest of the year. After this, we will mostly have a couple of ABCRA rodeos and then we'll head up to Warwick for the big pro rodeo up there. I'm very excited for that. Last year was the first time I ever went there and Smokin ended up getting second in a round, which oh, made nice. me very excited. Yeah. How did, um going back to ABHA, and I don't know why this has escaped me, but how did you run in the first round of the divisional with Smokin? Yeah, so he had a nice run, but he he was just a bit flat, really, and we ended up ninth in the average. So going into the second round, I really had no expectation of him placing well yeah. in the average, kind of just going out hoping to place in the round, and he really blew me away. It was like a hold my beer kind of moment. What was your time in the first round? Uh, 17.84. And in the second round, you were seventeen three three. Is that right? Yeah. He really. He was just like, yeah, okay, I've got this. Yeah. Oh, um, because my young actually managed to outrun him, so my horses ended up eighth and ninth. And so I don't know. Really? He was that. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And so, how old was your young one? Well, I say young, but she's ten. So this was her last maturity year. Yeah. And what, wait, which one is she? How is she bred? So she's by seconds to fame out of a Mordek mare. 
Oh, okay, got you. Right, I'm following now. Yeah, right. You would, and so, yeah. what did she do the second round? So she came out and did a seventeen seven, but unfortunately knocked a drum. Oh, no. yeah. We just touched it which was a bit disappointing because it was one of those more fluke things that I could really blame her for but she came out and got fifth in the maturity so I was pretty ecstatic with that yeah wow you really would have got a good check out of the ABHA finals this year oh yeah I'm I'm pretty ecstatic it's definitely the most lucrative competition I've been a part of (laughs) especially with all the incentives nowadays like with the different stallion incentives, Mathia and, and those, um, and even Justin putting in like individual incentives for people who are running these horses. And then also now AQHA incentives as well. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I think obviously you see things in America, like they have like the pink buckle futurity and all that. And you see all the horses paid into the incentives. But I feel for us, we don't probably pay as much attention to that side of it. But now it's starting to trickle in because you have the stallion owners starting all this and it's really a wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, I've talked a lot about it. We did a whole episode on it and then I've been talking to Justin about it even more. Those American stallions are really getting behind our Australian industry. Like they are paying into this incentive or you know, um, donating service fees that are worth a lot of money for, like, so say Eddie Stinson, he, there, there is no Eddie Stinson on the ground in Australia that will win them anything back. Does, do you know what I mean? So these people are, these American stallion owners are literally, and obviously the Australian ones are always at, like, there is the same things happening with the Australian stallions. These people are getting behind these incentives and just supporting barrel racing in this country. A lot of them knowing full well that they're not, going to get like a financial kickback for many years to come and whether they'll ever pay them you know pay themselves back in what they have kind of donated to these associations but I just think it's such a cool cool thing for our industry and also like how cool is it that you can have so many bonuses on top of an already very well-paying bowers oh absolutely I think it just goes to show how racing in Australia is growing year by year it's getting bigger and bigger here like to have a competition where you can get over 400 people enter is astronomical and yeah and barracing just continues to grow and it's an amazing thing to be a part of yeah and the times you know like that weekend just got more and more and more impressive as the more runs went on and I just think it goes to show like just how much money and time and effort is being put into this sport. I, I can't wait for like the future. I'm so excited. Absolutely. It was so competitive. The amount of people who broke into the 17s and low 17s too, like the fact that Brittany um, left the first round with the 17-5 straight off the bat is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but I found myself having great runs but clocking really well and well enough that you know you often watch those runs in America and you're like that's a that just looks they're running so fast and they look similar to runs that we're making in Australia and then you kind of realize that we don't even necessarily have the grounds there's a lot of things going into it but we don't have the grounds in this country to usually make those runs and then being an ALEC and having them 
put this much time and effort into the grounds, it made it so much more competitive. Like we were making runs that I was like, oh shit, I feel like there's nowhere, nowhere else in the country I could clock like this. Um, and I feel like I've made that same run before, if that makes sense. Well, I ran about eight times, I think, over the few days and each run felt exactly the same, like the ground felt the same and you really didn't go out there thinking, oh, I'm at the bottom of this drag, you know, not, yeah. not going to have any luck. Oh, I'm at the side of this drag, so the ground's going to be completely different. Like they really kept it completely consistent for everyone, which I think makes a a big change in how you look at the competition because you can't just go out to make your run and not really worry about what other people are doing. A hundred percent. And it just, yeah, I just felt like there was probably, a, and I could be wrong, but I feel like I could speak for a few people in saying that there's a few, a few of us that made runs that we were like, and I'm really happy with our runs, but we were like, yeah, we've probably made that run on that horse before, but it would never clock that good, you know? And, and now we're out here clocking how they probably should and how these horses with the amount of time and money and, you know, talent that these horses that has been put into them and then the talent that these horses have, they're starting to clock as they should, I feel like. Yeah, and I feel like Smokin's definitely the kind of horse where he'll go out and he'll feel the ground during his run and if he doesn't like it, he'll safety up himself. He won't make the best run to his ability. You know, if it's sand that moves under his feet, he'll be like, mm, I'm not getting into this, I'm not running on that. Yeah. And so I definitely think even after the first round where he probably went out and didn't have any problems, felt completely safe and going out and throwing himself into that run. Yeah, and I feel like that's this that would be the same for so many horses out there and jockeys obviously too, but yeah. I feel like we covered so much in a reasonably short amount of time, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us and congratulations on just cleaning up at the finals this year. It was very exciting. I'm very excited for next year now. <laughs> yeah. Back into next year this now. <laughs> You're probably like, this is, this is a pretty big deal. This can like write me a good check. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. This episode and all of the episodes in the ABHA special series was brought to you by Katie B and the Cowboys Closet. These companies have supported so many of our Western events and also just people in the Western industry. So make sure you go over to their websites. All of our links are in the bio and support them just like they support us. A huge thanks to Katie B and the Cowboys Closet for making all of this happen. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Western Podcast. If you like this, you can head over to Facebook and find our closed Facebook page, the Young Western Podcast, or you can follow the links in our bio to all of our private Instagrams and TikToks and things like that. Any new episodes will be promoted on there, or you can email us at youngwesternpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.